welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. I should say not just welcome, but aloha, because we're going to be discussing Hawaii today, and we're doing so with one of the finest experts and finest people I know. She is Jeannie Cooper. She is one of the two authors of Fromer's Hawaii. Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show, Jeannie. Mahalo, or thank you, Pauline, as we say here in the islands. I really appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became part of Hawaii? Well, it's it's kind of funny because although I didn't actually go to Hawaii uh, till coming up now on uh, gosh, almost almost twenty five years, I grew up with stories and songs of Hawaii because my mother lived here in the pre statehood era of wow. the late. 40s and early 50s. She actually went to Punahou, which is where President Obama went. It's a well-known hmm. school in the islands. And she learned to play ukulele and she took hula lessons. And so as a kid, she would entertain my grandparents or my classmates and just share what a magical place it was. So um, I always wanted to go. And eventually as an adult, I was fortunate enough to do so. Well, you were fortunate enough to do so because you worked uh, in the travel section of the San Francisco Chronicle for some, quite some time. Is that when you first went to Hawaii or I was it before that? Friend's wedding in the ah. late. Absolutely fell in love with it all over again, you know, this time for reals. And my husband and I started going on vacation about twice a year at that point. And about five years later, I, I became a travel editor at, at the San Francisco Chronicle. You're right. So that gave me an excuse to go even more often, hmm. more areas. And then uh, we ended up moving here in 2019. So it's been quite a journey. That's quite the time to move to Hawaii because you moved there. And then a year later, Hawaii pretty much shut itself off from the rest of the world as it had to do being an island with, uh, or a series of islands with limited resources. Tell us what it was like to be in Hawaii during the pandemic and what what kind of changes did you see in the islands? Well, to quote or paraphrase Charles Dickens, one of my favorite authors, it was the <laughs> best times, it was the worst of times. It was magical in the sense that we saw nature have a chance to heal itself very quickly in terms of a water clarity at places like Hanauma Bay without sunscreen of visitors, fish returning to reefs. I was at the Mauna Kea Beach uh, Hotel, which was closed at the time, but at the beach, and there was no one on the beach except a giant uh, green sea turtle. Wow. So imagine that's pretty magical. And of course, um, the air clarity was wonderful too. I could now see um, distant islands from my island, which I'm not used to. I'm here on Hawaii Island and I could see all the way to Kaho Olave and occasionally the island of Lanai, which are closer to Maui. Hmm. The worst of times aspect was tourism is a vital industry here in Hawaii. So there was a lot of economic hardship of having that mandatory two-week quarantine for about um, seven to eight months, effectively a lockdown. Many mm. people lost their jobs, um, food bank visits skyrocketed, and many people ended up having to move off uh, island for other opportunities. And that changes the fabric of the community too. They haven't all come back and they haven't all received their hours yet. So I was always mindful. I was very fortunate as someone with, I will say, a, an employed husband. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Writing did take a bit of a hit during the pandemic for very good reasons. 
But uh, I was insulated from some of the uh, economic uh, suffering on this island, but I was very aware of it. So it is, it's heartening to see um, people back at work and really vital businesses that contribute a lot to the community in other ways being able to be active again. Well, you talk about how you nature regenerated in many areas, the air quality got better. Was there more Hawaiian culture during the pandemic? I know that there's always this tension between uh, people who live in the islands and the visitors, uh, that, that people who come to the islands only come for the beach and they don't realize what a vital, important culture thrives in the islands. Well, I, I think you're right that people use this time here in the islands as a period of reflection of what direction they wanted to take since they had this unique, unexpected opportunity of a reset. And it came, that sort of led to what's called the Malama Hawaii program. And Malama means care for, protect, preserve. And it's not just about protecting the environment. It's about preserving and sharing the culture. I mean, sharing culture is preserving culture. Sure. There have been certain ways visitors could do that. You know, there there's some great education actually available at Luau's and other cultural centers. But really connecting people with people. I think you've seen uh, more hotels really refocus what sort of cultural um, activities they're offering. Um, you know, guests now learn olis, which are chants before they go out on an outrigger canoe paddle or a hike in the forest, or they're learning how uh, traditionally people might greet the sun at a beachside ceremony. And I think finding it really kind of enriches and deepens their uh, experience. But so that these are new things? This didn't happen pre-pandemic? There were very, very few. So this is new, and this whole program, which actually continues to have um, you know, incentives in some cases, for example, like a third night free or a fourth night free at a hotel, if you participate in oh. one of these volunteer activities or even some of the paid uh, activities. Um, yeah, that's, it's just there's a new focus. All of the islands uh, underwent a series of conversations that have led to something called destination management uh, area plans. And it's really reshaping uh, sort of what's being promoted to tourists and what's not being promoted. Hmm. Not see, you know, ads encouraging you to say, take the road to Hana or go visit a green sand beach or um, YPO Valley, which happens to be closed right now for structural road repairs uh, in part because you know, there's a recognition uh, we've created hotspots. We meaning, you know, the travel uh, industry and social media. And we need to be a little bit mindful if we want those to be there for future generations, how we talk about them now and direct people to places where I like to say, you're not only welcome, but you're invited. People are right. to come to this unique ecosystem halfway up the Amana uh, Kea here in Waikoloa and, and, you know, plant native trees and learn stories of the area. Or similarly, there's a beautiful valley near Lahaina where, again, you're invited to come. You learn about planting taro. You get to swim in a beautiful stream. You see views no one else is going to see. Best of all, it's free. It's a volunteer activity. 
and you're doing something really, you know, great for the environment and supporting local culture. So uh, just to clarify, because I I think uh, probably some of our listeners' ears are going to perk up with the word free. Uh, So this is a new volunteer vacation program. Is it on every island? And where do people get information if they want to volunteer and get this type of free experience? Uh, I'm I'm going to sort of double check my URL while I'm talking, but I (laughs) do um, gohawaii.com slash uh, Malama, and that's M-A-L-A-M-A. And mm. if you go to that, I'll say take a trip that gives back. And it, it lists uh, opportunities on each island. And if there's um, an incentive attached with that, you can find that uh, as well. Um, sometimes it could be like a discount for, you know, rafting adventure, or again, like a third or a fourth night free at a hotel. And interestingly, like on Oahu, um, although there's a lot of reforestation, building fish ponds, things like that, you can also help restore the battleship uh, Missouri. Wow. Because that's considered part of the cultural history of the islands as well. It's significance in uh, World War II. Um, And I think that's a great uh, you know, a great thing to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How fascinating. Now, did some of the hotels and resorts on the island spend the pandemic time fixing themselves up, doing renovations, uh, trying Ab- to fix old problems? For sure. And some of those um, had been planned for a while and they got accelerated due to the pandemic. Some started during the pandemic, but got a little slowed down because we have supply chain issues like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> So you see a little bit of paint going on in the corner. Don't, you know, don't be too surprised. But yeah, there were some main formations. And one I'm most excited about is Maui. It's often been called the most, you know, Hawaiian hotel and received awards for that. Um, Ka'anapali Beach Hotel in the Ka'anapali Beach Resort area of West Maui. It's always had a reputation for promoting Hawaiian culture, but frankly was a little dowdy and a little dated. And it uh, restored uh, one wing and it started on the others. And honestly, they're, they're chic and yet still Hawaiian. They showcase beautiful Hawaiian artworks and shadow boxes that were made by the staff of the hotel. And, and that's one thing. Hotels, not all, but many really tried to work to keep their staffs employed while they didn't have guests. So they might have contributed to, you know, renovation. They were normally in housekeeping, or they might have helped re-feather lay that are now hanging on the walls of the hotel. So that's uh, the Kanapali Beach Hotel is one uh, that I'm particularly uh, excited about. But Kaimana Beach Hotel on Oahu, which is on the quiet side of Waikiki, Diamond Head, is another. The Waikiki Beach Marriott, which is bustling heart of Waikiki, did some wonderful renovations that include... I was excited to try. I think it's really one of the best restaurants in Waikiki. It's on the third floor open air called Queen's Break. Just kind of unexpected. Um, other places, Halipuna, Waikiki, and Halipulani, which are two hotels, what we call the Eva side, uh, closer to the west side of Waikiki. Both had beautiful renovations. Halipuna's actually debuted January 2020. So effectively, it's new. Huh. But Ali Kalani, actually, they did all the work during the pandemic, 
And that just reopened in December of 2021. So it was the last hotel to reopen, you know, in this pandemic. Interesting. Uh, so we're, we've been hearing about the hotels that have gotten spiffier uh, and some new restaurants. Are there any new attractions that were built during the pandemic or that were planned before, but are just now debuting or, or have been debuting in the last six months or so? Well, I'm going to say attractions per se, no, unless I'm thinking of, I might be, you know, completely overlooking something. I do look at, there's a beautiful new uh, Luau Pavilion on Kauai, which has one of the best, it was purpose built for this Luau, which is done by, presented by a Kumu Hula, which is an ex- a Hula expert. She's also a recording artist. Her family have deep, you know, generations ties to that area as Native Hawaiians. That's at the Sheraton uh, Coconut Beach on Kauai, and her name is Leilani Lowe. Um, her father, actually, he's uh, almost 100. He helped uh, Elvis uh, explore the island during the filming of Blue Hawaii. And he's oh, wow. these wedding tours at the long closed Cocoa Palm uh, Lagoons where that scene was filmed. And he actually still performs on Kauai. And I'm just going to remove something from my dog's mouth. (laughs) I was hearing some background noises. Well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, talking about your dog, I didn't realize that there were dog experiences uh, that one could have in Hawaii. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the dog experiences? I think that this will charm and, and surprise a lot of people. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Every friend I've recommended doing this has really enjoyed it. Hawaii Island Humane Society on the Big Island, which has locations on both the Hilo and Kona side, um, offers field trips for select animals in its care, select dogs, and for a, a very low fee, which just helps them cover the supplies, you get to check out this wonderful dog who's wearing an adopt me harness and collar and he comes with a leash and a backpack where I said he or she a water bowl water supplies and a map giving you places where you can take them and sometimes these are beaches and trails that visitors might not otherwise be aware of and Mm. even cafes where you can go with your dog afterwards and you can choose to take them out for an hour or four hours there's even an overnight stay option and now other um, shelters have this i believe Kauai also offers this as an option uh, to its humane society a sort of centrally located um uh uh, close to uh, poipu Um, but it's just a really neat thing to do and You know, of course, they hope you'll fall in love with the island uh, with the dog and they'd be happy to fly the dog back for you. Really? Wow. That's Uh, impressive. I would think that that's difficult to do, though. I know that often there's limited space for dogs nowadays in planes. They might hold on to the dog for you while you make the arrangements at home. But regardless of whether or not you are adopting a dog or just want to give the shelter dog a break, which is very helpful, um, you're exposing that animal to other potential adopters who live on island. So they're really grateful for people who participate in this uh, program. And I, before we adopted our pandemic rescue dog, we did that Hmm. a few Times and it was a lot of fun. It was a great conversation starter. Locals will, you know, chat with you and say, oh, maybe, hey, I, I adopted my dog from the Humane Society, or I, I took a dog on a field trip, too. And 
you know, it's kind of like having kids in certain countries. People will just open up to you in a different way than if you're a, you know, a solo adult traveler. Sure, sure. Now you're on the big island with your dog. So I got to ask, what's happening with a volcano? Is now a good time to come if you want to see activity? Absolutely. Uh, this uh, lava has been flowing uh, at least gosh, since December. And I've been out several times. You can see the lava at the summit of Kilauea. Kilauea is the main volcano in the center of the park. And there's an enormous crater known as Hale Maumau. It's considered to be the home of the volcano deity Pele. And there are various times where lava is not flowing or it's flowing, but in a very distant part of the park or sometimes down as the ocean. This is not one of those times. Lava has been filling the bottom of this um, crater now for some time. And you can see it uh, at night quite easily from multiple points in the park. And then during the day, you'll see mostly the sort of the dark cover of the lava uh, lake, but occasionally little like sort of blue glows. And at night, um, even if you're just, say, dining from the Volcano House restaurant, you'll see this beautiful glow on any, you know, kind of rising from the crater, particularly if there's cloud cover too. So it's Mm. a super fun time to go and actually uh, the walk out to the best viewing spot is on, it's mostly a road, a former road that was closed due to a previous eruption years ago and became a trail. So you're walking a mile, almost all on paved, um, you know, road, which is good for people who have different mobility issues. Sure. Well, I I love the fact that you're talking about the difference between day and night, because I shouldn't be giving advice on Hawaii, but sometimes I'm asked to do so. And one of my big pieces of advice is always, if you're going to the big island, plan to spend at least a night in volcano. A lot of people just, you know, they stay on the other side of the island, they take a day trip to the volcano, and really, the spectacular viewing, I think, is after dark. Am, am I right? Absolutely. And I, I'll add to that, you can also go early morning, too. But mm. the night will make that easier. You do not want to drive Saddle Road or the slower southern route around the island in the dark. It's just not fun. So if you can spend, by all means, you know, it's worth it. There, there are actually relatively affordable uh, Airbnbs, as well as very modest inns. You can even stay in Hilo, which is only 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes away, depending where you stay. And just to get that experience of going at 10 o'clock at night or midnight or five in the morning, um, highly recommended. Plus, there's some good eating on that side of the island, too. This is where most of the locals live. So there's some great restaurants, you know, that you might want to try out while you're on the uh, Hilo side of the island. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I guess one of the reasons I feel okay about giving advice is I've done some writing about Hawaii. Many years ago, we were working uh, on a guidebook and I had an author who had Uh, some family problems, and I ended up jetting off to Hawaii to take over uh, what he was writing on Molokai. And I I stayed there for two weeks, which apparently very few people do. (laughs) I actually made the local paper travel writer here for two weeks, and they knew I was there because I was calling a lot of 
B&Bs because I would have to do so in order to visit them. It's such a small island. Very few tourists go. And in fact, you know, I felt like I was suddenly part of the fabric of that island when I'd be calling uh, people to come see their B&B. They would say, oh, don't, you know, my my uh, ex-sister-in-law owns another B&B, but she's a terrible <laughs> person. Don't go over there. Uh, but I was very- <laughs> yeah, I fell in love with Molokai because it is so off the beaten path and it has a fascinating history in that there is one corner of the island that was set aside as a colony for what used to be called lepers, a leper colony. Uh, and you would take this hair-raising donkey a trip uh, from the top of, I think they're the tallest sea cliffs in the in the world to the bottom of them. Every foot, you know, footstep or hoof step that your donkey was taking would skid over a rock, and you'd see this sheer drop to the side of you, and it was scarier than any amusement park ride. I know that stopped uh, uh, being offered before the pandemic. Is it coming back? Do you think? No, and I'll tell you, here's why. One, there was a, a land dispute involving the, it's technically mules that you rode down. Oh, mules, yes, yes. We're braver than I, Pauline. I chose to hike down because I was hmm. terrified of riding uh, on those uh, mules, although they passed me on the way back up. They were faster hiking back up than I was. Um, sadly, the trail over the years has suffered a number of landslides that have been repaired in the past, but the most recent one apparently is quite a large project. And during the pandemic, with the concern for the health of the handful of remaining uh, patients who have Hansen's disease, as as leprosy is now known, being concerned and their caretakers, they're often quite elderly. There was a thought, maybe we don't need to fix that right away. It's no Hmm. longer supplies come in and out of that area, again, known as Kalapapa. They have a once a year barge and then regular nine passenger flights from Oahu on tiny prop planes. So there's not really a will to repair that trail and there's Hmm. issues over the mule rides. What I'm hoping is that uh, as after uh, the people have eventually passed on, which, you know, will be happening in the next decade or so, in all likelihood, um, the National Historical Park that it is will find a way to reopen to uh, tourism because there's many beautiful sites, historic sites there. It's a site of religious pilgrimage for fans of St. Damien and now uh, St. Marianne, the the nun who followed him in his service to the people on the island. And it's got Hawaiian cultural treasures too. And it's got the graves of 8,000 people who, you know, passed there and their descendants and family members would like to be able to visit. But fun fact, it also has the tallest lighthouse in the Pacific. Don't Hmm. ask me how tall, but it's super tall. And I've only seen it, you know, coming down uh, the trail. And I think that alone would be a wonderful uh, thing for people to be able to visit, which you could clearly do, you know, by plane. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the uh, the the magic of Molokai is it, it really feels uh, you're often on beaches all alone. And this is pre-pandemic. This is when tourism was at its height. But it just you doesn't get many tourists. And so you go into a local grocery store and people are curious about you. What are you doing here? Yeah. It, 
It's very hard to get to now. I think when you traveled, Pauline, there was probably still a ferry between Molokai and Maui and at least two airlines serving it. There's only one airline serving it now. And currently it's only nine, again, these nine-seater planes from uh, Maui and Oahu. There's a hope to get larger planes that might seat up to, say, 50 people, which would run maybe once a day. But Definitely. And you need to go slow on Molokai. And you you do need to be aware you will be easily observable as a visitor. Even native Hawaiian people from Oahu have been uh, sort of surprised. Like they're very quickly identified as not from here. But if you, you know, show that I think your intentions are good, you're respectful, you know, you, you buy local, you greet people with aloha, you drive slowly the way locals do, you know, you'll have a wonderful time. I've, yeah. I've had a very special time, but it, it it's sometimes just going slow and uh, going with the pace. I tell people three days or three weeks, you know, you might get to do everything you do. You might not get to do any of them because it has its own schedule. So, but if you can appreciate what you are able to do while you're there and the people that you meet, um, it it can be pretty magical. Yeah, absolutely. So Molokai is hard to get to. It's rather obscure. If people are trying to decide between the main Hawaiian islands, by which I mean Oahu, uh, Maui, Kauai, or the big island, what advice do you give? How do you try and guide them so they pick the right island for them? Because in truth, they're very different one to the next. You have very different experiences depending on which Hawaiian island you choose. I, I do get this question a lot. And first I ask, you know, what type of vacation do you normally like to have? Is it, you know, an active one where you're uh, hiking and doing lots of outdoorsy things? Is it dining and shopping focused or cultural focused? Who's coming with you? Do you have older people, little kids, people with mobility issues? You know, what are the, some of the interests? And I feel like you can have a great vacation on every island regardless, but you're going to have to work harder. What mm. uh, nightlife on my island? You're going to have to do some driving you know, from the resorts. And I, I just really say, would say like, hey, go to Honolulu. It's the Paris of the Pacific, honestly, in terms of the amount of museums, restaurants, shops in this, you know, large uh, area. It, you know, Auckland can't hold a candle to it on as as beautiful as Auckland is. So, but I think a lot of people who go to Oahu are kind of stunned by how urban it is. Um, There are ways though to, I think, have your cake and eat it too on on Oahu. If you don't stay in Waikiki, perhaps, and you, you, I mean, there are some beautiful nature areas there, is, and and then you well, also have the urban opportunities. I tell people s- split the difference. You know, if if you're interested in that, you know, dining, shopping, and history of uh, the history of Waikiki and Duke Kahanamoku, you know, it's just Waikiki is one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, and it still is, even with other people there. But you're absolutely right. The windward side and the North Shore and even the Koalina Resort uh, on the west side have some incredibly beautiful, relatively untrammeled uh, natural areas. I hiked out to Kayana Point um, about a six-mile round-trip hike um, in February from the North Shore. And almost the whole drive there, there was no one there. Then we started the hike. I think I saw 
four other people. And this was during the President's Day week, which is usually pretty busy. And I got to see a, a Hawaiian monk seal, a nesting liaison, albatross, beautiful sandy coves, uh, you know, native plants, gorgeous mm. views of the Waianae Mountains. I, I could go on and on, right? But sure. It, um, it's easily accessible. And uh, we were staying in a resort area, in this case, which was Ko'olina. But we were up there in about an hour and or maybe even less. And it was a beautiful drive. You know, we had 15, 20 minutes of urban Honolulu, and then we were out in the country. So I want to go through some of the types of people you discussed and, and figure out or have you tell me who fits which island best. So for the person with mobility impairments, which is the best island for them? Uh, you know, I actually really recommend Kauai because it has what I call drive up beauty. In other words, you can drive up park and be looking at a beautiful waterfall in several areas uh, on there. You can drive to Poipu Beach Park. It's flat. And within, you know, 100 feet, you can be, you know, toes in the sand or as my dad did, just sitting on a sitting at a picnic table, watching the literal pecking order of all the colorful birds there and the people, you know, in the sea. You can drive to a lighthouse uh, at Kilauea Point, which is also a nature reserve, and just have spectacular vistas without needing to do a rugged hike. Although Kauai right. is famous for one of the most rugged hikes, it just happens to have a lot of, it's the oldest island and it has a lot of, let's just say, flatter areas near the shoreline with beautiful sand that happen to be very accessible, as mm. well as some uh, mountain vistas. And Waimea Canyon you don't have to be a hiker to just pull over at one of the overlooks or the side of the road and gaze down into this spectacular red rocks with, you know, colorful striations of what, you know, has been nicknamed the Grand Canyon of the Pacific. So hmm. that's highly recommend. Okay. Uh, so how about for the sportsy person, the person who really wants to challenge themselves physically, which island do you send them? Well, I, I think they'd need to talk to my husband, who's <laughs> Ironman World Championship four times based on the Wow. And that's one of the reasons uh, we moved here, because it's such a great training ground. There's fabulous ocean swims. There's a, a highway that has a wide shoulder from Kona, uh, you know, almost all the way up to uh, Javi, which is 56 miles. Um, the, the Ironman course does that round trip. So it's 112 miles. So you always see a lot of cyclists uh, out there. And then uh, same thing for running. There's a lot of great uh, areas for running, whether it's mountain trails or you know, side of the road. Um, just don't forget the sunscreen and please hydrate. <laughs> it's very so hard. the big island for sportos, that's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yes. What? No, what? But it, and do that on Oahu too, which is actually where the Ironman began. You just need to know to go where you're not competing with traffic. But I, I, you know, maybe I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm talking about so much people competing in Ironman. What about just people who want to maybe have the best scuba diving, or the people who really, really want to hike, who want to who want to take part in the in the things you can only do in Hawaii. So hiking, I would say a tie between Kauai and the big island. Again, Hawaii Island is very big. And so we have hikes at all elevations and much less crowded. 
uh, in some cases uh, than Kauai, which is more compact, but undeniably beautiful. And again, some of those hikes are, are very easily accessible from your hotel because you're just not going to drive as far to get to the trailhead. Um, in terms of scuba diving, snorkeling, I have to go with uh, Maui. Although again, there are great opportunities on every island, don't get me wrong. Um, but Maui's harbors at Lahaina, Ma'alaya, and also the Kanapali Beach Resort just provide great access to you know, stunning snorkel and scuba sites. Um, there's the crater of Molokini. Um, some go over to the island of Lanai and you can snorkel and scuba off there. It's very dry on that side of the island. Hmm. So you don't have problems with runoff. The water is very clear. Um, there's beautiful reefs. There's quite a lot of turtles. And uh, I would say if you're an ocean sportsy type of person, Maui is a, definitely a great place to go because there's also uh, windsurfing on the other side of the island. And there's stand-up paddle boarding in a number of great uh, bays. And like I said, lots of uh, small boat harbors. There's boat harbors all the way to, um, uh, I think it's McKenna and Kihei. Uh, sort of in the south and Wailea and then, you know, going up to uh, Lahaina. So, yeah, that's, I would okay. say, you know, ocean sporty person. That's good. All right. And a final type of traveler, let's say, well, let me two, two, uh, yeah. honeymooners and then people five min five years after their honeymoon when they have two kids in tow. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to start with the kids <laughs> because that's a little bit easier. Um, I think, you know, Every island is family friendly, but um, Kauai, because it's very compact, if you still want to do a little sightseeing with your kids and again, have those mobility concerns, like, hey, I can just push my stroller right up to the waterfall. That's great for you. Mm. When the kids are a little bit older and want to do activities, but also love time at the beach, um, depending on what type of parent they are. Maui or Oahu are great for that. Maui's got both great beaches and just a lot of um, family-friendly type of uh, activities. It just seems to be a place that families gravitate to as sure. well. But I took my niece and nephew, you know, years ago to Waikiki, and they love the fact that there are lots of other kids playing on the beach, you know, sure. and lots to do, and a zoo, and an aquarium, and a sea life park, and all kinds of things like that. But the honeymooners, it does go a little bit to the nature of the couple, but for that sort of sense of um, seclusion and seeing dramatic sights together, I, I have to say my Hawaii island is pretty cool for that. You have, mm. you know, to go see the volcano together is wonderful. But if you're a little less interested in driving or, you know, really want to cocoon with a beautiful view, um, you know, Maui is famous for that uh, as well. And and, cool. and a, more better beaches in Maui than the big yeah. island, right? Yeah. yeah. I would say definitely more. You know, we have to argue about better, but no, for sure. There's more sandy beaches, more if you just want to lie by a beautiful resort pool. We have a few of those here, but there's definitely Maui excels in that. Hmm. Oh, well, you've made me want to go back to Hawaii. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one, you know what? But before I let you go, one last question. Pricing, 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 pricing. The cost of travel is climbing pretty much everywhere right now. How much more do people pay in Hawaii 
right now than they would have pre-pandemic. Do you, do you oh, know that offhand? Um, I know for some hotels, honestly, it's it, it can be disheartening. Uh, it can be as much as a third to, you know, well, twice as much or a third as more, depending how you, you know, do your math. Um, wow. The most desirable, well-known hotels. So I'm speaking of places like the Mauna Kea Beach Hotel or like the beautiful Monolani or the Four Seasons. When you get down to the more moderately priced hotels, the increases are not on that level of percentage, but you have to book early and you really Mm. need to looking at those rates and think about coming at the non-peak time. It's always busy potentially in Hawaii. I mean, it's always popular. The weather is good. But if you can come at the end of May, beginning of June, or those first two weeks in December, or, you know, a week in October or September when kids are back in school, um, you'll just find a lot more opportunity. And again, I recommend looking at some of these Malama Hawaii uh, specials at gohawaii.com slash Malama, because, you know, maybe the, the rates are still high, but if you get a fourth night instead of three, you'll feel better about that stay as well. Uh, yeah, that, that all sounds great. Okay. Well, with that piece of good advice, we're going to say mahalo, uh, Jeannie. It's always such a pleasure speaking with you. You too. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks to everybody who's listening. And to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage. I'll see you next week.